This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. I am Jack Donnelly and it's certainly been a while. Uh, we took a little bit of a break over the festive period to rest and recharge, but we're back for this second semester, which, for some of us, will be our last. So expect a lot of worries about the future from the old heads on the usual rotating cast of characters that this show provides. Speaking of those characters in particular, I've got three top panellists alongside me today, with one of them also circling the terrifying drain that is so-called real life after university. Struan Garvin? Struan Garvin? Struan Garvey, how are we? Three and a half years final semester and get my name wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry mate. I'm sorry, mate. No, that's, uh, that's terrified me a little bit there, saying one semester left. You know, saying one year left was, was bad enough, but one semester, that's, uh, that's terrifying. But um, Do you want me to make it more terrifying for you, mate? I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Just over three months. Start of May, we're done, bro. It's a quarter of a year. That's not great. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing well apart from that inev- inevitability. Yeah, it's it's just gonna get worse. It's like we're we're just gonna constantly be complaining about this. Taylor's probably gonna go on the most impassionate rants about our future and then land himself at a dream job as soon as he leaves, and he's having nothing to worry about at all, which is just his luck. Uh, we are also very happy today to be joined on this show by a man who made some real waves with his first Energy Sport podcast appearance when he appeared on Extra Time and gave potentially the greatest big shout in the history of the show. And that was despite receiving abuse in the form of being labelled as a smelly West Lothian man. Uh, we're happy that it's not stemmed Angus McGregor from coming back to join us here today. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, not doing too bad. Um, there's a lot to live up to from that last episode, but yeah, I'm glad to be on with, you know, some nicer people today, so I won't be getting slagged <laughs> off for, for my location, essentially. But, yeah, also glad that, you know, um, you know the use of like old heads there wasn't used to describe me. Um, obviously, you guys are getting close to, you know, leaving and going back, uh, going into the real world. And um, for somebody who's been to uni and now is back again, um, just good luck, guys. And uh, <laughs> That's not encouraging. That's not encouraging <laughs> in this light. It's brilliant. So glad to have that to look forward to, for Christ's sake. Uh, finally, we have got an Energy Sport podcast debutant today. Those around Energy might know him from his weekly slot on Radio Energy, which I promise will be returning soon. And you might have caught uh, one of his Premier League match day review pieces up on the site, which have been fantastic. In any case, though, we are delighted to welcome Kyle Campbell for his first Energy podcast appearance. Kyle, how are you getting on, mate? I'm doing all good, mate, doing all good. Enjoyed the football over the weekend and enjoyed the break, but I've still got two years left of uni, so I'm just chilling out, you know, just... Taking it nice and easy while you all sort of flood off into the real life, but I'm uh, I'm chilling out. It's all good. This is the problem. Like this second year doesn't actually matter for anything. So you two are no. just like you're just finding finding your way. No problem at all. Flip flops are on. Yeah, just just sort of keeping the head above water at the minute. You know, it doesn't have to be too serious. Don't have to think too much. You know, a bit of football, a bit of sort of writing here and there. It's all right. 
I see that I'm going to keep saying that I'm doing the same, but then it'll get to the point where I'm two weeks before my dissertation, I've written three words, and I'm going to absolutely shit myself. Aye, just another nine thousand nine hundred ninety-seven to go. And exactly. you've, not got, you've not got much time left. <laughs> if my supervisor is listening, I promise I've done more than that. Aye, and yeah. I probably should arrange a meeting with him soon. But anyway, talking about football because I don't really want to talk about dissertation just now. Uh, as always on this show, we kick off with a big question, and we're recording this uh, the day before Burns Day here in Scotland. And for any of those uneducated, because we somehow get listeners in like Kuwait and stuff like that on the odd occasion. Uh, a bun supper is full of three things good food, good drink and good laughs realistically that can sum up uh, a bun supper or any sort of Scottish get together which is fantastic for our country uh, it's an easy question off the back of this one lads so which member of the national team the current Scottish national team would you most want to have along at your bun supper and why Struan, I've, I've got your mark for one potential answer but I have a feeling you're going to give me something different because you're you were singing your protest before when I accused you of picking Scott McTominay before we started, but who are you going with, mate? It's got to be John McGinn. It's, it's just got to be John It's the easy McGinn. answer, you know, isn't just it? Just going out drinking with him, hearing him make a speech, eating, oh, it would be class. John, it's just such a good guy. Love to do that. Definitely not, because you're a Hibs fan, no. And they still claim him as their own. He is? What do you mean? <laughs> he tweets about Hibs on, on occasion, maybe annually, but uh, no, John McGinn's you know, he's Scotland's best player. He's just fantastic. Scotland's best. That's a that's a tall. Well, he was claim. voted as Scotland's best player in two thousand twenty-one. He was okay. Aye, no, you you, 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 you have had that one. Aye, that's fair enough. Aye. Uh, Sorry, yeah, that kind of came across as a big shout. I didn't mean like that. <laughs> just, just <laughs> that's Thursdays to be doing that, Stuart. He's the type of guy who'd go up. He wouldn't practice the speech. He'd just wing it, and he'd probably just chat a load of nonsense. But it would be fantastic, and he'd get everybody up and going for it. Oh, it'd be brilliant. I feel like John McGinn would be the kind of guy that would they address the lasses and say the most ridiculous things and somehow get away with it because he's just a, he's just a nice guy like people yeah, just find him funny you like the playstation <laughs> he would <laughs> inco- he'd, he'd be the type to incorporate that still game part wouldn't he so he could bring Kenneth McLean along Ke- Kenny will do could be double might <laughs> be Stephen Gerrard that would be interesting as well I wouldn't want Stephen Gerrard at a burn supper no I think Gerrard would get into it a wee bit nah is. Too dull. He would just sit there. He, he think you think he's a laugh because he's got a forward hairline in that. But he just he's not a laugh. He wouldn't. I think he's smug because of that hairline. I think the fact he's in his forties and he's got that oh. strong a hairline left. Hundred so percent smug as anything. He puts me to shame with that. Like <laughs> is, mine is receded compared to Stevie G's. And as a Man United fan, you can only you know sit back in disgust at that. <laughs> that, just, that just fuels the hatred even more. Yeah, the fact that he's out doing your hairline. <laughs> Absolutely, Rangers manager, Liverpool legend, and a hairline like that—you just you can't enjoy him. You can't enjoy his company on a Burns night. I'm I'm not taking Stevie G. I think you've also just described Graham's perfect man there. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rangers and Liverpool yeah. legend and a perfect hairline. That'll solve Graham for life, mate. Honestly, <laughs> uh, Kyle, give us yours then. Who would you want uh, alongside you at a Burns supper? So my first thought was John McGinn, uh, but I changed it even before Stuart said anything, and it's Lyndon Dykes. Right. For- okay. First reason, Australian, not even Scottish, just a laugh anyway, do you know mm. what I mean? He, Australians love it, they'll get on the bevy. Uh, I've also backed Lyndon Dykes before everyone even liked him. Good. When back, back in the Euros when everyone's saying get him off the pitch and I'm trying to sit with my pals a couple of pints down trying to explain to them why he needs to be on the pitch. Mm-hmm. So I've always loved him, I think he's a laugh and also I really like his haircut. So which which version of the haircut though the the the, ra- the rainbow buzz cut the that rainbow buzz cut was maybe a bit much I was it 
uh, what was it, two, three seasons ago now, when Celtic went away to Livy and lost 2-0 on a Sunday, and Dykes lobbed Fraser Forster, and they uh, had that sort of, the blonde sort of skin, not, not a skinhead, but it was the proper short, mm. blonde hair, and I just thought, wow, this guy is phenomenal, and since then, Scotland's best striker, so I'm taking uh, taking London Dykes on a date to Burns night with me. <laughs> what a sentence like you, yeah. never, you never thought you'd be coming to uni and saying sentences like these on podcasts no. did you no at all no at all <laughs> aye London Dykes with that haircut everything Phil Foden could never be realistically yeah absolutely Angus what about you I, I know you'll have a lot of rep- not even repressed love just open love for London Dykes would, would he be your pick or are you going in a different direction Um, it probably would have been but um, you know I'll, I'll keep it different Um, I, I'll go for somebody else and it may be a wee bit out there, it may be a wee bit confusing for most of these at first, but I'm going to go for Stephen O'Donnell. Mm. I know. I think I know exactly why, because I've got him in my list of three that I was going to mention. <laughs> well, so you might be thinking, it's like, oh, do you want to hear you know, the stories of you know the game against England and all that, the performances? Nah, not really. Is it because he's like a kind of normal kind of guy who you know you think you get on with? Nah, not even that. Stephen O'Donnell makes buying Empire yes! biscuits. Yes! And, <laughs> I'm so glad exactly... you said that, because I don't need to... <laughs> And that is exactly why he is welcome to the McGregor Burns Supper at any time, because anybody who brings something like that is more than welcome for me. Um, but yeah, Stephen, if you're listening or that, you know, get some get some of those biscuits sent and delivered to us right now. But aye, you're more than welcome anytime, mate. I'm so biscuits glad. just stuffed in the sporran, just right in the sporran for Burns night, just passing them under the table to you in between the haggis rounds. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> It's like you're doing a whip round for like a hip flask and there's just a wee empire biscuit on each one Aye. when it gets to him and sends it on to the next person. Aye. I'm so glad you said that because I was I, I had to message Sean last night and say, what was the thing with Stephen O'Donnell and bacon again? I can't mind exactly what it was. <laughs> and he was like, oh, the first episode of the... Uh, the very first episode of A View for the Terrace, he did cons- uh, Come and Considine with me and he made Empire Biscuits. I was like, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Then he was like, that you're picking Stephen O'Donnell, a Kilmarnock legend, as an air fan. I'm like, right, I'm really hoping somebody else picks up on this fan now, <laughs> so I don't need to mention him. And I'm very glad you have. Uh, I might cop out for mine, I have to say, because he's not really a member of the squad anymore. But I think, he, well, he has been uh, in the last kind of 18 months or so. I'd take Andy Considine. Purely for the fact that I reckon yeah. you get him on the bevy, he'd get treated like a hero for just the, just mm. everything involved. And you know, with a few <laughs> bevies in him, a few whiskies, he's up on a table, sh- shirt ripped open, giving you yes sir, I can boogie at the top of his lungs. Aye, that's the thing. When the tune comes on, you know he's there. He, so... he's, he's there, he just appears. It's like he's, yeah. he's not even invited, but you click play, yeah. you've got one other member of the Scotland squad there, and he just appears in a corner. Like, yeah. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> Ghost in the night, nowhere. Andy Constantine appears when I uh, play the song. He's r- rifling through your auntie's handbag looking for lipstick, <laughs> uh, stealing a, a mop head to put a wig on him. And uh, he's up with your sister's brow and it's just an absolute chaos when Andy Constantine gets on the whiskey and starts saying, uh, yes sir, I can boogie. I'd say he's a fit, honestly, fair shout for him. Fair shout for him. I think he'd, uh, he'd be a right good laugh at a Burns night, actually. I had, I had McTominay doing as well because I'm thinking he's, he's English raised but he's got a lot of passion for Scotland so I'm not entirely convinced he'll have had an experience of a burn supper like a proper one so yeah, get, get him one. along he'd, he'd love it and he'd probably start instituting them down in Manchester with the boys like yeah. force feeding Ronaldo Haggis could you imagine Ronaldo that? Ronaldo appreciate it though is that, is that good enough? Uh, that's the problem because Ronaldo would be fine up until Stephen O'Donnell started handing out Empire Biscuits and then he'd <laughs> slap all 20 of them out of Luke Shaw's hands right in there and there yeah. You know, you had to like, Luke Shaw wouldn't have them in his hands, he'd just scoffed the ball. <laughs> 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 so, the rapper, just... 
<laughs> just <laughs> Stephen yeah. O'Donnell whips out a bacon tree, the tree's gone and all, just yeah. inhales them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there, there we go. You can let us know who you'd have along at a burn supper with you. If you do listen to this, you can tweet us at ENRG Sport or any of us individually, because why not? Just get, get involved. Uh, we're going to start up in Scotland with our coverage of the weekend, because it was a Scottish Cup weekend, which are some of the best weekends that Scotland has to offer the fourth round. And we have to start with the result of the result of the round, and that was Kelty Hearts 1, St Johnston 0. League One runaways, Kelly Hearts dumping out holders. St Johnston in extra time thanks to a Callum Higginbottom goal. Energy Sports' very own Logan Back was on commentary for Kelly Hearts, and I don't know if any of you boys saw it, but he went absolutely fucking mental, by the way. He was genuinely on a different planet commentating over that goal. It was a great laugh. Uh, he went absolutely. Deserves it. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, before we even go into it, like, just what a result that is! Like that—that's yeah. why we love this competition. That's why we love these weekends. No, it's it's an unbelievable result. I mean, I was at um, the Hearts St Johnson game last last Wednesday, and uh, St Johnson they actually do you know what they actually surprised me. Um, it was an easy win for us. We mm-hmm. didn't, you know, I, I think there was no doubt that we were going to win the game. But from off the back of what St Johnson have been like this season, uh, you're expecting maybe a bit more of a sort of runaway result, you know, four five nil from the way we've been scoring goals at home. Mm-hmm. But they impressed me a wee bit. Um, you know, a couple of new signings in as well. They were looking all right, and then it's just right back down to ground with that. I mean, that's it's the short result of the weekend. I don't think anyone would have even seen it coming because even though no matter what they've done in the league, you would have expected them off the back of last season's cup performances to just sort of keep it going maybe a wee bit, you know, for a mm-hmm. bit of glory throughout the season. Um, but once it went to extra time, I think you know you would have been biting your nails if you're a St. Johnson fan anyway. Because if you, you get it to penalties, you know you're in trouble anyway. But for those last sort of half an hour in the extra time, you're going to be worrying. So all all credit to Kelly Hearts; they deserve that one. Angus, I mean, they do deserve a lot of credit, Kelly Hearts. Obviously, I mean, they've only lost the once in the league this season, and they've been fantastic. And but can we really be too surprised by this result, considering how St. Johnson have been getting on? Because they're sitting bottom of the premiers at the seven points off Ross County in tenth, and they've just really struggled to really recover from losing a couple of their best players. Of course, Kerr and uh, uh, Crawford going. Was it no uh, Ali McCann? Sorry, McCann. I McCann going in the summer, and they've just really not been able to replicate it at all. I mean, when you can go delving a little bit too deep into it, this might not have been as surprising as some people would have initially thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, any team who's on, you know, is thinking of running St. Johnson. I think what well, going into the game, it was nine straight defeats. So it's not even as if it's like poor form. It's, you know, shambolic. They've not picked up any points in, you know, like the last like, couple of months or that. So, you know, you've got Kelly as well, who, you know, you're trying to like, get promoted and stuff like that as well. Um, on Obviously, confidence is high. But at the end of the day as well, you're still looking at it. And a team in the League 2 should never be taking the scalp off a team, you know, in the Scottish Premiership at all. Mm. Um, but, yeah, St. Johnson for them, it's hard, to, it's hard to see where it gets any better for them, in all honesty, because, you know, you'd be looking at that game as, you know, all right, cool, we'll get the hoodoo off our back and, you know, we'll finally get a win, you know, bring a wee bit of morale back to the team. Does this just sink them further deeper into this uh, slump that they currently find themselves in? Um, I'm not too sure what their most recent fixtures are. Um, I'm sure they play us quite soon. Um, but, you know, it could, it could just even get worse for them at this moment. So, yeah, it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of a rut like that, but and they've certainly not done you know, themselves any favours in trying to amend that, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they get on as well with uh, Callum Davidson. 
You know, are they going to, if another couple of bad results come, are they going to like stick or twist with them? Mm. Um, you know, last week of the January transfer window, they probably urgently need some new bodies in. I've seen a lot of fans, you know, kind of bemoaning the fact that they've given the likes of uh, Ali Crawford and, you know, signing Cammy McPherson on a pre-contract as they've simply not been good enough. So um, I think, yeah, recruitment in this last week is going to be make or break for them. Um, but who knows what's going to happen to that club. It's true, and I just wanted to touch on that, the whole Cam Davidson of it all, because we've kind of had ideas and we've had conversations recently that just consider whether St. Johnson are going to be better just cutting ties, because obviously you can't take away what Davidson did last season. I mean, one of the best, potentially the best season in the club's history. I don't think it'd be hard to argue against that fact, winning the cup double. But, I mean, just things have gone horribly, horribly wrong for them this season, and the fact that there were already those whispers, there's a good chance that having your cup defence ended by a side two divisions below you would turn those rumours into reality. So, I mean, firstly, could you see it like happening in the near future sooner rather than later? And would it be the right move from St. Johnson to potentially look to replace Callum Davidson at all? I think I think it came out in the Herald the other day that Callum Davidson admitted that his job was under pressure. And I just find it incredible, to be honest, when you think about what they achieved last season, a club like St. Johnston that we're just into January and already his job's under pressure. Obviously, you know, the likes of Kerr and McCann leaving, but to go out of the Scottish Cup, the, the cup that they won last season, to Kelty Hearts, yeah, Kelty Hearts are in fantastic form at the moment, but that just that's just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, seeing Shifty signing, I think, is really interesting because we know even last season they don't have a goal scorer. They really struggle in that sense. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough. I don't, I don't want him to lose his job. I don't like that. I remember when... Leicester City sacked Claudio Ranieri the season after they'd won the league and I always felt that was a shame after what he did. He deserved at least another season and I think I think Davidson does deserve that in a sense but also, you know, you look at football these days, managers don't really get that long. I think the average term is, is about 18 months and if St. Johnson believes there's a better candidate out there that can keep them up, I, I think they could make that decision. I personally don't want it to happen but it, it could. I mean, when Jack Ross got sacked uh, at the end of 2021, Cam Davidson was linked with the Hibs job. You know, Cam Davidson, even at the start of the year as well, was getting linked with big money moves. People mm-hmm. in England in the Championship were tipping him to possibly come into a club. And, and now looking at it, it's, it's, it's crazy just what's happened. I mean, in this season, St. Johnson have drawn with Galatasaray and have now just lost to Kelly Hearts. That's it's incredible, <laughs> really, when you put it into that kind of context. Do you not remember the time where people were wanting Steve Clark out and Cam Davidson in? Yeah. <laughs> what a laugh that was, by the way. <laughs> It's mental, but what I'll, what I'll say, Jack, I'll just say quickly on mm-hmm. on on that point um, with Ranieri, is that season where Ranieri did get sacked after the title win. I think if they didn't sack him, I think Leicester were in a relegation dogfight there. I seriously think they could have went down. You know, they could have sort of stayed, and you know, stayed loyal to the to the guy that's brought them the most glory in the world. And I think they would have got relegated. They, you know, I think it was Craig Shakespeare that took over, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. And just sort of steadied things, kept them up, and look where they are now. You know. Europa League, they're pushing, you know, in that top four spot the last few seasons. I think making a sack on a manager, despite you know that last season, depending on what he'd done, I think it sometimes has to be done. Um, I think you you stick too much to loyalty, and it costs you. You know, if if they stick with Davidson and then they get relegated in the end of the season and they're struggling to come up from the, I can't imagine they would struggle, but if they struggle to come up from the championship, you never know what sort of you know slide you could find yourself on and. I think if if it was me, I think after that result, I I think it, if I was a St. Johnson fan, I'd be wanting him gone now. And Kyle, I was going to turn it back to you because one man that potentially could be in a conversation to replace uh, Calm Davidson is the manager that beat him and Kevin Thompson because we mm. know he's been 
interviewed by other clubs. He came out at the weekend and said that he had been interviewed by Kilmarnock for their vacant position before Derek yeah. McInnes came in. And a lot of Celtic's success has been attributed to Kevin Thompson because he's been absolutely fantastic since he came in. But is there now a danger that off the back of this result he's going to get overhyped? And there's no doubt that he's done very well, don't get me wrong, but could this win now lead into a lot of unnecessary attention and people kind of buying into a sense of false belief that Kevin Thompson's the next big thing in Scottish management? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, the jump from being a League 2 manager, I know that they're top of League 2 and they're absolutely flying. Um, you can't deny that. I've only seen them once this season um, at Edinburgh City, but they're absolutely flying. Um, the jump up from League 2, top of League 2, flying high, to going up to the Premiership, a massive club, and you've got a job in your hands from the minute you walk in the door, it's, it's honestly, you, you wouldn't want it at all. I, I don't think, even if he does want to move to a bigger club, which you know he'll get anyway, I think, from the way things have been going, I wouldn't want to go halfway through the season to a club that are in an absolute dogfight, like really struggling for points. I, I think it would be too big a jump at the minute. Um, I think it would cost him possibly maybe the more the future of his career. You know, the excitement around him is great now. Stick with stick with them. You know, keep going. Keep getting a keep getting wins. See how far you can go in the cup, and then end of the season maybe see where you are then. But I think halfway through the season taking a job like that, I think it's just a bit too big. Even though you know if he if he is going to be the next big thing in Scotland, and you know clubs are going to be after him, uh, I'd say leave it a few seasons. I, I think it's too. You're you're right. It's too much excitement around it. There's too much sort of. You can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I think you just have to be a wee bit more patient with things and let them sort of progress naturally. I think it's just that mindset of kind of modern day football in terms of how reactionary people can be, mm. especially with social media and everything like that. Just they'll see one good result, a good run of form, and think, right, he needs to go somewhere else now. He can't waste his time. He needs to move on as quickly 100%. as possible. So yeah. I do agree. I think it's going to be best maybe end the season maybe look potentially to move in the summer you're going to realistically they're going to go up into league yeah. one and the way things are going in the championship that could end up a very very competitive division in scotland next season so even stay for the season after and kind of compete and try and kind of get yourself as high up as you can and then maybe look to move elsewhere but i think anyone kind of looking to get moved on at the moment especially if that would involve st johnson if they're thinking along those lines probably best for him to stick where he is, at least for the time being yeah. anyway. Uh, I suppose moving on now, the benefit of having uh, four different football fans on this podcast is that we can speak to each of them about uh, how their teams got on in the cup. Because my team lost, I'm going last. Uh, everyone else won. And Struan Hibbs won, but it wasn't exactly comfortable, was it? No, it wasn't great. It wasn't uh, pleasing on the eye, I guess you could say. Is that type of performance? I, I think Cove Rangers were excellent, to be honest. I, I, I don't want to start by slagging off Hibs. I want to say Cove were really, really good. I thought they deserved to go further into that. You know, even when it came to extra time, a lot of people were saying that they might just crumble here. It could be three or four by the end of it, just with the fitness levels. But they, they stayed really strong. And in the end, obviously, one goal decided it. I, th I think they deserved penalties, to be honest. I think they played really well throughout the 90 minutes. And yeah, but from Hibs' point of view, you could definitely see the, the lack of Martin Boyle. But there were, there were some positives in the team. I thought Cadden had a really good game and I think Chris Mueller looked really good as well for his debut. Uh, I suppose that might have been the kind of first signs you would have seen of life without Boyle, of course. Martin Boyle moving over to Alfie's Alley in the Saudi Arabian League for around two and a half, two and a half million reportedly, but could rise up to three million pounds uh, in the fee. What are your thoughts about it? Because 
Obviously, this is a big, big loss for Hibs. We know how influential Martin Boyle's been. There were a number of people that were saying he's been the best player outside the old firm for the last couple of seasons, and there was a lot of talk about him potentially moving to Celtic, and I know there was a bit not back from Aberdeen uh, earlier this summer, I think it was. So what, what what's your opinion on it? I mean, obviously, it's a big loss to come back from, but do you see Hibs being able to kind of hopefully reinvest that money into the rest of the squad in meaningful and impactful ways? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. I mean, whenever any team loses their best player, it's a struggle, let alone being halfway through a season. You know, it's you wish it could be avoidable, but for that kind of money, you can't really turn it down. And I, I can totally understand why Martin Boyle has made that decision to go away, to be honest. I think it's up to Hibs now, though, too, to find that form. You know, players like Kevin Nisbet, who have been totally off at this season, he needs to find that form he had last season, come back into it. Players coming in like Chris Mueller. I was going to say Dylan Tate, but obviously he's now away to Kilmarnock on loan. I don't know if Hibs are going to sign any other forwards in this transfer window. Obviously, Elias Melkerson's coming in, but it's unclear whether or not or when he's rather going to get playing again. So hopefully, he can he can step up and, and beat Erling Holland to 2.0. But you know, I mean, I'm maybe just hoping with that one there. It's, it's, a, it's a really difficult one. It's, it's so hard to see what happens now. I've been really impressed with Sean Maloney so far. So yeah, just just have to see how it goes. To be honest, it's a massive loss, and I think certainly for the next few games upcoming I think it'll be obvious the gap and the void that will be left by Boyle but I guess it gives somebody else in the team the opportunity to, to say yeah I can do it and for somebody like Chris Mueller who's just come over with a, a decent reputation from America it, it could be the perfect opportunity for him if, if you can take time away if you just uh, chatting up owls on uh, yeah. the Royal Mile and things <laughs> like that give him some time off it'll be fine if that's allowed anyway and another note Kevin Nisbet scoring against uh, against Gold Rangers and sticking the fingers in the ears that was uh Questionable celebrations, I suppose. Absolute plum, honestly. Yeah, what, what's he doing? Like, the form he's been in, and you score against Cove in extra time, Jack. This isn't just like you know, beat <laughs> extra them. time. You're like, you're on, you're honestly that far away from penalties. Left foot, open goal, fingers in the ears. That's what to do, Kev. That'll, that'll sort out the haters, yeah, honestly. Do you remember like, when he Obama is just shushed Tim Krul after that penalty miss? Well, the penalty that was saved by VAR and then scored. That, oh yeah! That. Oh yeah! yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think it was two seasons ago. Like, did did Harry Maguire not do it this season as well? He was getting uh, pelters for, uh, like, for England. Was it not he scored against San Marino? Or something? San Marino. <laughs> San Marino. <laughs> San Marino. Yeah, cupped his ears. Uh, cupped his ears. <laughs> And then I think was it like the week or two weeks after he got sent off against Watford? It was yeah, like, it was yeah, the week after. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could score against San Marino. I, I don't know what they're jumping about. It is oh, honestly the far, weirdest but... thing. Yeah, okay, let's steady on. But it's the weirdest thing putting the fingers in the ears these days. I don't understand it one bit. I know. I, I, I love how like that get, the goal get tweeted and the first response was just a clip of his miss against Celtic. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the absolute howler he had. Yeah. And that's, wide open. That's why I love social media because people are just hone in on stuff like yeah. that. Uh, we'll move over to yourself, Angus, because Livingston picked up a win and made through made it through to the fifth round of the Scottish Cup with a one 0 victory against Ross County. I wanted to say two words to you, and I think you know exactly what's coming already. And it's it's just Joel Newbley like already. Like I love this man. I, I an advocate for championship football. I'm gutted he's not in this division anymore. Actually, part of me's all right because it means that he can't do anything bad to Air United ever again. Uh, I love him, and I, I, everyone at our broth loves him, and I'm willing to bet that everyone in Livingston will love him as well. Uh, how excited are you for this man to be back, or to be playing his first football at the Tony Macaroni? I suppose. 
Yeah, incredibly excited. Um, you know, having like a player come in and being loyal to our both. I mean, we've had like a decent relationship with our both the last couple of years, like to Jack Hamilton, Harrison Clark, and that going to the, uh, and Carlo Pignatello going there. Um, but nobody's quite. Even though Jack Hamilton had a great season last year, the the pure buzz around Nubla has been absolutely incredible, and it's really got us all excited. You know, to have you know this kind of maverick player um coming to the club, um you know from a free transfer being loaned out to be recalled back, um it's miraculous but yeah all the hype that came they've came around it kind of came to like a, a wee bit of a disappointing halt when we played dundee everybody was like oh it's um x amount of days until new place here oh i can't wait to see the big man action guy wasn't even in the squad for the first game sadly <laughs> so we're all you know pretty gutted about that Um came on for a wee bit of a cameo there against ross county and you already just got a wee glimpse of what he can do i mean there was just that one instance he got the ball out wide just knocked the ball by the defender and just left him completely in his uh in his tracks um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, with more games, um, you know, some good service in that as well, you'll be able to replicate that form that you showed at Arbroath and, you know, we'll have one of the league's, you know, most exciting players in a way. Um, hopefully the transition from Championship to Premiership isn't too bad, but yeah, very, very exciting times for us to, to see the big man in action. Just because I did uh, the 2-all game, uh, the, uh, I, I was 2-all, it was 2-all, start of the season, uh, against our both at Somerset and just he cut it was just he got the ball on the left and exactly what he said just knocked it past the defender cut in and just curled an absolute beauty into the back post and just thinking right okay this boy's an absolute player and he just turned men he did for the rest of the afternoon and I just always made sure to look out for him whenever he was playing because I knew what he could do and he's been absolutely fantastic I'm really excited to see him step up uh Talk to me about things at Livingston just now in terms of Alan Forrest, because I know there's been a lot of... This is just the A United fan of me just invested in seeing where my mm-hmm. my, my shining star on the right wing uh, is, is up to, and things haven't exactly been rosy for James's brother uh, this <laughs> this season, have they? Yeah, it's a it's a really, really strange one with Alan Forrest, because I think if you ask like, most Livy fans, wherever he's played, he's always been you know a very solid player, like at least like a 7 out of 10 in most games. Um, he offers a lot going forward and he's, you know, he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for like going back, but it just doesn't seem as if there's something there. There's something that Martindale isn't quite seen within him that isn't giving him that extended run in a team. And it's the same as last season as well. Um, Alan Forrest was Lovey's top goal scorer last season with, I think, seven of his 11 goals coming from like the League Cup as, you know, we got to the final. He played a lot from the start, but then, you know, as the season went on, for some reason he kind of faded out of the squad. It's kind of happened again this season where even though we've not been too great, he's still found himself, you know, struggling to get game time. He gets if he starts, he'll get he'll be the first one substituted or, you know, the last one to come on um, if he doesn't do so. Um so it's a very peculiar one in all honesty, because everybody, you know, knows his quality in that. Um but at the same time it's not a player who, you know, I'm too concerned about his replacing. I mean, we've just talked about Nubly there. A, if that's a straight swap, then I think most of us will be, you know, kind of happy with that. Mm, but ah, it's a it's a very peculiar one as well. With you know St Johnston apparently coming in for him, you know, offering money. We've already knocked back two bids for them. I think they're apparently about thirty to thirty five percent off of you know the valuation that we've set for him. But I mean, if he does go, it'll be it'll be disappointing because you know he's a very exciting player. He's that kind of player that you want in your team who, you know, will get the fans off their seats and stuff like that. But it just doesn't seem to have worked. Something between him and Martindale doesn't seem to be, you know, they don't have, seem to have the best relationship or whatever. I mean, if you watch any of our games, you just hear David Martindale screaming, Alan, like every two seconds, <laughs> then I think that'll give you an insight into, you know, what they're like. But yeah, very, very, very strange how it's moved on like this. Um, 
if he moves on, then all the best to him. But he's somebody that I would like to see stick around for a wee bit longer. I can imagine so. Uh, a challenge in the next couple of games for Levy. I mean, two away trips in the next few days. Uh, Rangers on Wednesday night, uh, Hibs away on Saturday afternoon. What's the thoughts going into them, I suppose? I mean, kind of Liffey form, it's been a real upturn uh, ever since kind of the start of December. I mean, they lost to Hearts and then only lost one game since uh, then, uh, way to Motherwell just after Christmas, and then obviously coming back after the break, the 2-0 win over Dundee, which is the games that you would argue Liffey need to be winning the most. So it's been a decent run. Are you, are you confident or at least a little bit uh, hopeful that Levy can keep this going in the next couple of games before, I mean, St. Johnston at the start of February, that's probably going to be a massive six-pointer for them, but potentially not Levy by the time it comes around. Yeah, I mean, when, when any of our kind of teams play Rangers away, it's a free hit. Not really expect, uh, expecting anything from that. We've got quite a decent record, though, against Hibs at Easter Road in kind of the last couple of years. Um, so I think that's the one that we should really be t- kind of targeting, you know, to get, um, you know, points from. Um, I think the last game that we played there, Jack Ross's last game at the Tony Macaroni Arena, where, you know, Hibs kind of imploded with two red cards as well. Mm. I think that that's kind of like, we. I think we, in a way, we know we can get at Hibs, you know. I think we're the kind of right kind of combative side that a Hibs side, you can really easily get at them. Um, I think that's shown in the last couple of years, but again, you know, they've also got that quality that can punish us, as we've seen, you know, the first time that we played them this season. But yeah, um, massive kind of couple of weeks coming up. You know, we end up playing, you know, St Johnston, Ross County, and that um, shortly after. So you know, the main thing for us is just picking up points wherever we can, and you know, try to create that gap between us and uh, you know the relegation zones. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kyle, we'll rope you in here and we'll get talking about Hearts' 5-0 win over Auchinleck Talbot. Uh, a routine victory as it turned out, but the kind of general chat I got from Hearts fans, the ones that I spoke to and the ones that I've been kind of chatting online as well, it, they had a bit, a little bit of trepidation going into this one, thinking that it wasn't exactly going to be as straightforward as it seemed on paper. I mean, what was your view of it? Were you just thinking, oh, it's a, it's a wee team, we're going to be absolutely fine on the road, or was it just, we've not been playing our best football recently, this could be a bit more difficult than it seems initially? Yeah, no, it wasn't a game that I was expecting to go into and, and win, um, convincingly as we did. I think, you know, you've got to look back, it's less than a year since we, we got chucked out by Brora Rangers you know that's less than a year ago that was March I believe uh, March 2021 so you know we, we, we were a completely different team back then I think you actually have to give Robbie Nielsen a lot of credit for that I don't think he gets the credit he deserves this mm. season um, I including myself I think a lot of other fans or even just um, anyone interested in Scot- uh, Scottish football they wouldn't have sort of put any money on Hearts being a top you know I probably wouldn't have said a top five side this year to be honest never mind sort of you know pretty much claiming that third position now. Um so I don't I don't think he's got the credit he deserves. Um I, it was a difficult it's the it's the ground for me. It's when you go away to a smaller ground, the pitch might not be as good, you're you're in close, it's tight. I think that makes a massive difference for the big clubs when they when they go to grounds like this because it's just completely out it's not natural for them. You know, the last time they were probably playing those games were when they were about twelve year olds. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. They've been playing in stadiums ever since. I think that's the the biggest factor in terms of games like that. Um, but I think 
the way we settled into it, that's it was either going to be a tough game where you know we're going to get an embarrassing cup exit, or we were going to beat them five six nil. You know, we just had to sort of get that um, get that first goal, steady ourselves down, and then once we'd done that, we we were absolutely flying. But I think, as I say, credit to to Robbie Nielsen and the and the guys this year, just due to the fact that you would have went into that game last year and probably would have been shitting yourself. Um, whereas this time we've only went in with a wee bit of doubt, you know? So it's it's not all doom and gloom anymore. Um, we've sort of picked it up a wee bit, but I think you, you've got to give credit to just getting that early goal, Andy Halliday with a great header, and then kick on from there with, with Boyce getting another one for the penalty spot as well. So it, it was a decent win, but uh, living in the next round is going to be a much tougher, much tougher task now. Ah, that could be a good one for sure. Uh, yeah, it is mental absolutely. to think just that almost a year ago, that two one win that uh, the Broader Rangers had that was unbelievable. Like that mm. was an unbelievably funny day for everyone associated with any club but Hearts in Scotland. Just seeing the absolute implosion. I think a lot of that had to do with Hearts being in the Championship last season. I'm not sure because everyone was just thinking, "Oh, Hearts are just going to go down and come back up," and a lot of teams actually made them struggle a lot more than they would yeah. have liked and it really wasn't as simple as just rattling through games and getting back up. They obviously did win the league by a margin, a fair amount, I think it was 12 points or something like that in the end, but it definitely wasn't as easy and everyone was just very humdrum about it. They weren't exactly best pleased in any time something yeah. did go wrong. There was a lot more toxicity around the fan base, which yeah. has almost dissipated this season comparatively and it's been quite impressive to see. Well, I think it's because you look back at that squad last season that was in the Championship, um, and I was lucky enough to be at the behind closed doors games, and I was watching them, and you looked at the squad and you just thought, there is no way that this squad can compete in the Premiership. You'd have to sell out a lot of, a lot of guys and get a lot of new guys in to even sort of compete for that top six spot. And, you know, we've had a few additions. You have to be honest with that. Cammy Devlin, Benny Beningame in centre midfield mm. has been an absolute revelation. You know, they've, they've been an absolute spine. Devlin's work rate is just second to none in the league. Um, and then, you know, you, you've added some players in, in wide, getting Ginelli on a uh, full contract, things like that. It makes all the difference. But I think if you told me back in June or July that, you know, we'd be getting to the end of the winter break and we'd be comfortably third you know, doing well in the cup as well. I, I think, you know, I wouldn't have believed you at all. I would have bit mm. your hand off for it. So I think, as I say, credit to, to Nielsen and the and the players. But I think if you look back to last year and look at us this year, completely different team and uh, much for the better. Now, there's one thing involving Hearts that we've not actually had a chance to talk about on an energy podcast because mm. this is the first one of the new year. Yeah. And it's probably the only kind of dark cloud that's kind of hanging over Tyne Castle in the, at the moment. And that is the John Suter situation. Of course, yeah. he's agreed a pre-contract to join Rangers in the summer uh, where he had offers from down south and a lot of Hearts fans were very adamant in their stance that he would not receive warm welcomes back to Tynecastle if he agreed with Rangers. And you saw that in the game at, at the game against St. Johnston where his number was read out when he started and boos were coming from just about every single seat inside Tynecastle on the yeah. night. Uh, what's your take on it? Because I know there's some fans that never wanted to play again. There's some fans that just are happy to stick with them from now until the end of the season. And there's some fans that would probably do unspeakable things to make sure he never actually steps foot inside the stadium again. So where, where do you lie on the kind of suitor spectrum of it all? Yeah, no, it was I, it was always coming, suitor leaving. You know, even despite the injuries, he's always been, you know, probably head and shoulders above a lot of players. And I think even you look back a couple of years ago, you would have said he'll end up down south at one point. Um, now, I actually, it's 
I've got a bit more of a sort of closer relationship with John Suter than most Hearts fans, and it's because I actually I used to work with his um, fiance back my right, first job okay. when I was a teenager, back when I was at Next up at Straighton, and uh, his fiance worked there, and I got on really well with her, chatted away, and I always ask her, I was always like, you know, what are the chances of you moving down south, things like that, <laughs> and um, you know, just standard work chat, right. you know, are you are you moving house, are you moving country, things like that. And uh, at the time, it was always Craig Levine not wanting him to go at all. It was, you know, he had the offers apparently back then. So that was 2017, 2018. So he had the, he had the offers back then that I'd, I was hearing, you know, straight from the horse's mouth pretty much in, mm. uh, in his fiance. Um, and it, Levine wasn't wanting to go. And then obviously you've got the injuries with him as well. And I don't know if you've seen, I don't know how true it is, but there's been news stories over the last few days about Suter having a very ill family member. Um, and wanting to stay in Scotland and I think for me going to Rangers wasn't the thing that annoyed me you know I, I think going to Rangers is what a lot of Scottish uh, players want to do you know compete at the top get a higher wage and win a trophy probably um, but with it is I think when I actually was working with his fiance I really sort of took into consideration that football players are actual humans and you know he wants to stay in Scotland, you know, if he's got these family family problems, he wants to stay close to his family. And I think that's kind of eased my sort of anger a wee bit from it. It's just because, you know, he is, he, he might be a, a great centre-back, great player, but he is, you know, a family man as well. He's got a kid, things like that. So I don't think going to Rangers is the, the worst off it. I think it was more the fact that we've stuck through him, through his injuries, paid his wages and, you know, got him to recovery. And then he's, you know, probably going to go without a fee. Mm. I think that that's the biggest thing. You know, if he signed a a year extension last year and he goes in January for one point five two mil or something along those lines, yeah. I think every Hearts fan would applaud him uh, on his way to Ibrox, you know. But I think it's just the way it's came about, it's not looked great if you know if you don't know the inside details and things like that. And then obviously, you know, he, he had the booze at the start of St Johnson on Wednesday. It got a wee bit better. He got half the stadium was probably booing and half of them was probably applauding every time he touched the ball and then we scored and he was the only one that weren't celebrating and that's mm. you know he's not helping himself there but I thought he was absolutely immense on Wednesday there so if look if we can get a fee for him and he can go this this month then I'd say yeah absolutely you know take, we'll take the fee and it's absolutely fine if he's staying to the summer um, he, if he wants to keep playing if he wants to be the, the starting centre back for the next five months he's got to give absolutely everything because I'd rather get you know Taylor Moore in there and give him a chance mm. to sort of adapt to the system, adapt to the team, because there's no point in playing a guy um, and getting used to this position if we're trying to push for Europe and things when he's just going to leave in June anyway. So if it was up to me, I'd want him to go. If he is going to stick around, I wouldn't mind him sitting on the bench and getting somebody else in. But you know, it's it's personal opinion. I think I think you you can ask ten Hearts fans. I think they'd give you ten different answers mm. on how they feel about him. But for me, I don't not angry that he's went to Rangers. Just maybe the way it's happened. But uh, you know, it's football. I still think it's shite part than they never cup tied them against, uh, against yeah. Talbot. That would have been really funny. It would have been amazing, but I think if that's maybe me thinking, is there a fee coming in? Have Rangers asked them to not play them because they're mm, going to offer yeah. a fee in the next week? I, that's what that's what I thought about it. I can't see you know it being an injury. He looked fine on Wednesday night, so I I, I don't know. Obviously, it's just speculation, but I think the Rangers maybe said, "Listen, we'll bump it up fifty grand, a hundred grand if you don't play them on Saturday." So. Mm. I don't know. Maybe something along those lines, but as I say, yeah, I can't. You can't say or say that's that's the reason behind it. Ah, there we go. Uh, quite one from me, considering my team fucking lost. Uh, I air get beat off St Mirren, so we're at the cup now. Uh, 
quick goals. Uh, Kel McAllister scoring in the seventh and Greg Kelty in the twenty fourth. That one stung, obviously. It's Kelly. Uh, I, th- I suppose the one thing that I took away from it, at least Lee Bullen's at least trying to do something a little bit different. He's not set in one specific style of play, a la David Hopkin. Uh, he started with a three at the back and then shifted to a four when we conceded twice and kind of got a bit more of a foothold back in the game. So at least he's got an element of tactical versatility and he's willing to kind of change up his shape. He's not absolutely sold on one particular system, which is probably quite a good thing considering uh, we kind of need to be battling for every single point if we are from this point forward. And I suppose there is that as well. I mean, we're out the cup and it's the least I've actually cared about a cup loss in a long, long time because I know the position they are in just now and it's not a healthy one. So we need to be in a position to be able to battle for every single point. We need to prioritise survival above all else. I said I wanted us to get seventh at the start of the season. I'm sound if we stay up again. Mm. Like We survived by the skin of our teeth in the final day with a draw and I'm more than happy if it ends up the exact same way. Ideally, I'd like it to be a little bit more comfortable and for Morton to completely implode, although that's not happening because Dougie Emery's actually got them playing all right, taking Motherwell to extra time and scudding us last weekend. I mean... It wasn't a scudding in the scoreline, but my God, they played us off the park. I was there, and it's the worst I've seen us play in a long, long time. Uh, I'm, j- I'm just looking forward to this season being over, because I, I don't like it. You know, just now we're not very good, <laughs> but we haven't been for a, a long, long time. So, yeah, work to do, signings to be made. I think we've got one potentially coming in, a midfielder from Charlton. Uh, other than that, who knows, but... Yeah, rest assured, I'll still be here for the remainder of the semester, plugging my agenda towards United, making sure it's on the website as much as possible, and hopefully being able to laugh in Sean McGill's face with one Ayrshire Derby win, although it's probably not going to happen because Kelly are a serious club again, it would appear, which is just no fun for anyone. Uh, I suppose the biggest other point of notice, we've not really got, we probably want to move on from Scottish Cup, but... Uh, I suppose a more general concern from certainly a Scotland point of view and from a Celtic point of view is that Callum McGregor was forced off after taking an absolute bastard to the face Mm. and suffering what's potentially going to be a fractured cheekbone which could leave him out for about eight weeks or so and that, I don't really, I'm not I I don't imagine any of us really care about the old firm I know Stroon's a closet Celtic fan but (laughs) realistically no one actually cares but that kind of pulls them into contention because it's 60 days until the Ukraine game, or it'll be less than that now, and uh, I would really like Callum McGregor to be available for that because he's a very good midfielder for Scotland. Uh, I don't think Celtic fans need to worry an awful lot. I was speaking to Amy about this, and she's saying like the uh, playing quality of the two new Japanese signings, uh, Ryo Hitate and Ediguchi as well. They've been excellent, and They've kind of des- they should be all right to start, and I don't think there's going to be much concern if McGregor's missing. But it's all the intangible stuff that he brings. I mean, he's a captain. He's got the experience, the leadership. He just knows the system in and out. He's going to be a big loss, and considering the injury list that Celtic have leading up to this old firm, considering Joe Aribo's also coming back from Nigeria uh, from the Afcon after uh, getting knocked out with Nigeria, might not be the best thing, but uh, for Celtic, but it's more worrying for me from a Scotland point of view. And I'd imagine everyone on this podcast did the exact same because we all know how good Cal McGregor's been since kind of almost since Serbia when was kind of the first time people really started to appreciate him for what he brought to the team and he's really not slowed down since then, has he? 
I think it was a case of you don't know what you've got until he's gone. Was it the... What game did he miss? Was it the Faroe Islands game in which we didn't bring him on till the end and you could just see straight away what he offered to that midfield? I, th- oh, I think it was it Faroe. Is that, yeah. is that yeah. the Dykes winner? Dykes winner. Yeah. Eight, eight, right nine, yeah, I think he came on late in that one, Stuart. And I think that was the one that you did sort of notice a wee difference in the field. It just sort of secured things up, didn't it? He just got the ball moving. Um, I, I think McGregor's a big miss. For me, I don't think he fits into Scotland's best midfield, though. Really? So, I No, I don't think so. Mm. If... For me, in a three-five-two, um, or you know, a, a three-four-one-two, whatever you want to call it, for me, I have McTominay and Gilmore with McGinn just in front. I think I, I don't like McTominay at the back. I think I prefer him in midfield, sort of breaking up play, Gilmore to move it a bit, and then McGinn to be that sort of attacking one. So mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed that he's out, but I'm not too worried. I'm not not sort of panicking just yet. Angus, what about you? Where are you kind of lying on this one? Uh... For me, he's one of the midfielders I would have. Him and Gilmore, I think they've built up that connection together. You know, they just seem to be, you know, so calm and composed on the ball, the ball retention that they have. Would McTominay be able to do that? I'm not 100% convinced yet. Um, but you know, he's probably not being able to play there. You know, uh, for Scotland just yet. And is it is it harsh to judge him on the Man United performances because you know the team's just so crap? Um, but. If for me, yeah, Callum McGregor will be a big massive miss because, you know, he does offer all those things you just said, that kind of leadership, that extra kind of, you know, all the other things you see, like, off the ball and stuff like that, just, like, general positioning, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, but I will say, you know, if they are looking for another McGregor to fit into the midfield, I am available. <laughs> <laughs> You've recovered from your injury, so that's you cleared to play at this point, mate. That's you. You're sorted. <laughs> uh, we'll just wrap up. We'll kind of run through... The fifth round ties because the draw has been made and we know who we are going to be, who the clubs are going to be facing. Not me because my club didn't make it fucking through. Uh, Annan kind of drew the kind of biggest uh, David and Goliath tie of the law uh, at home to Rangers. Uh, I, I see our both Hibs as an upset. Yep. And that Hibs might actually get a win. Uh, <laughs> Way. No, I, I reckon that'll be a really good game. I'd, I'd love to see our both playing one of the teams that they're, they're set to be playing uh, next uh, next season when they get promoted from the Championship. Uh, Celtic Wraith, I'm guessing that Celtic are going to put the disco lights back on for this one, considering yeah. they did back but in September. Did, did Celtic, and, Celtic and Rangers both got lower league opposition? Anyone smelling conspiracy? No? Just, just <laughs> me? No, I'm, I'm, all, I'm is, all I'm saying is, I'm, I'm stunned. <laughs> uh, Hearts Love is probably... One of the ties around, to be fair, I think that could be a really good one. Well, Aberdeen's a good one as well. Thistle, Dundee United. Peterhead, Dundee, and St Mirren, Kelty Hearts. I don't want to say Kelty Hearts could do another upset, but... I, they could, Jack. I think, I think if I was Take putting money on it... You can take another one. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd say Kelty, you know, St Mirren aren't all that this season. I think they could take another upset. I, obviously, it's an away tie as well. Um which changes things massively. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I think they could... I didn't realise St Mirren have drawn 10 league games out of 21 played this season. That's disgusting behaviour. They just can't win. <laughs> four wins. They've got four <laughs> wins, which is one more than St Johnson at the bottom. It's ridiculous. Doing it. Jim Goodwin, man, honestly. I know. Uh, right, I, th- I suppose that'll kind of wrap us up for Scottish Cup chat. And now... We all actually care a little bit about the Premier League, which is good, uh, because not everyone does, so we can actually have a bit of a chat. 
And I'm just going to start because I would like to talk about Chelsea in a positive light for the for the first time in what seems like ages. Because Spurs get battered once again. Uh, 2-0 win over Spurs yesterday evening. Uh, Hakim Ziyech and Thiago Silva with the goals. Well, Thiago Silva with the goal. Hakim Ziyech with an absolute world day. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, where's this been? Where has this been from Hakim Ziyech since he transferred from Ajax? Because... He's not been doing that. Like that's him scoring back to back games. He scored in the uh, draw with Brighton, and that's him scored again against Spurs. And I've not seen him use his left foot like that since he's played for Chelsea. That for those that haven't seen the goal, just go and watch it because it's a thing of beauty. He gets gets the ball across, takes a wee step in, makes it makes a space for himself and his left foot, and curls this perfect arc, floated just enough to know that it's going to nestle into the top corner at like the apex of the shot. So as it's just starting to come down you know exactly where it's going and it's in that top corner leaving big stupid Hugo Lloris rooted to the spot. <laughs> you can tell I'm happy about this, can't you? <laughs> uh, like he's you. described that. He's wrote that down. He's wrote that down <laughs> to describe that goal. He couldn't wait to read that out. How can I How can I fit this into my dissertation? Like, realistically, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to write about this goal, man, honestly. Absolutely. I actually thought it was wide, Jack. It was that good a goal. I thought it was... <laughs> I thought it was completely wide until I saw Hugo Lloris sort of rooted with that face, that face he makes when he thinks, Christ, how have I, I've got no chance of making that one. And it just curled into the top bag. It was an absolute stunner. Um, and obviously, he he was probably best playing the part for me as well yesterday, so mm. you're right. I, I don't know don't know really where he's been since the big money move. I think it's maybe a bit of sort of chopping and changing because I think you might have a different opinion, Jack, but I don't think he's one of the better Number tens, if they if you're talking about sort of Tuchel's system, I'd have Lukaku up front with Mount mm-hmm. and uh, Havertz behind Lukaku. I don't think Ziyech is up to the scratch of of those two. Um, but I mean, what a performance yesterday! And obviously, his goal against Brighton as well, and it, it helps, you know, a bit of couple of injuries, things like that. You make your way into the team, and if he keeps playing like that, he's gonna be he's gonna be in that in that starting eleven for the next couple of weeks, no doubt about it. Tuchel, I struggle to figure him out a lot of times. I think he's brilliant, I love him, and I'm so happy he's at Chelsea, but he's almost, from the centre-backs forward, he's almost playing like what Steve Kerr did when he first went to uh, the Golden State Warriors, started introducing positionless basketball, or football on this occasion. Everyone just kind of runs about, and they just kind of, it's a very fluid system, so you've got Mount on the wing, then he's in the middle, then he's tracking back, and then it's the same with Calum Hudson-Odoi, for example. And I think what's been the biggest change in factor, especially in this game, because when I watched the highlights, we were just really, really dominant. And it was those three in particular. They were playing with an ego, which Chelsea yeah. have not been doing. They were playing like they had no respect for their opposition, which, why would they? They're champions of Europe. And they got that trophy for a reason, because they played good football and Tuchel managed them to do so. And we've not seen that from Chelsea. There have not been enough players that have stepped up and just decided that they want to take this game by the scruff of the neck. And that's exactly what these two guys did. We've seen great performances in midfield from Matteo Kovacic. I think against Liverpool, he was absolutely unbelievable in the two-all draw. And he's been very, very consistent. But then it's then infuriating when Tuchel drops him for Jorginho or when Mount doesn't play for Christian Pulisic, who's been the most hot and cold player in football for his time at Chelsea he's been absolutely unreal then he just falls off a cliff two minutes later and considering that Lukaku is not exactly banging them in yet five goals in the Premier League so far this season we need people to step up and if Ziyech and Mount and Hudson are going to be the ones to do it then I'm absolutely all for it and I think one thing we saw actually in this game was a bit of a change in the kind of possession style of play that uh, Tuchel employed because I think it was still a five back uh, when Spurs were on the ball but in Chelsea's possession it almost kind of moved into a 4-3-3 three, three, 
with Jorginho as a lone six in front of the back, uh, the back four, Mount and Kovacic kind of occupying the space in front, and then Ziyech and Hudson Doyle playing very, very wide either side of Lukaku, which is quite interesting to see that it's kind of changing for an attacking benefit to try and get us more chances going forward, which is realistically what Chelsea need. That's a bit of a tangent on Chelsea. I'd imagine there's going to be a longer one. Oh, yeah, sorry, actually, before we move on, I have unbelievable amounts of love for Thiago Silva. I wish yep. he would. I wish he woke up tomorrow and was suddenly 20 years of age again yeah. just so he could play for Chelsea for another 15 years. He is everything I want in the defender and more. He's 37 and he's got Harry Kane just in his back pocket and I, I, I don't care what anyone says. That was a foul. It was a, it was a very clever thinking. <laughs> But listen, when you're going at full speed against Harry Kane, any sort oh, of touch is going to send you to the it. ground. Come and he knew, he knew that. Tell yourself he's not a stupid man. And Harry Kane's not exactly a squeaky clean, foot, a squeaky clean footballer. No. We all know this. So Harry Kane's going to use his hands to get either side. And there's a, there's a push. There's a, there is pushing in the back. Yeah, and he's, he's, going, he's rapid, mate. So he's just going to hit the deck. If there's if that's switched around, Jack, and Thiago Silva does that to Kane and they give a penalty, you'd be sat here right now raging. <laughs> that is never a fill, never a fill in a million years. But I have to give credit to Thiago Silva. We said before, absolutely love him. How is he so good at scoring goals, Jack, despite being a five foot nine centre back? And that is a made up height. I don't know how tall he is. <laughs> but he doesn't it doesn't look that big and he wins every header in the box. It is unbelievable. I cannot understand how he's that good in the air. It's it defies belief to be honest, and I just wish yeah. we got him. I, I I loved him when he was like I kind of caught the back end of him at AC Milan before he moved to PSG, and I loved him there. I love watching him for Brazil, and then I always thought, oh, he'd be brilliant to bring to Chelsea one day. And then when I heard we start, we were looking about him on a free. I was thinking, nah, please, like this this <laughs> is gonna that's gonna do such good things to me <laughs> in terms of my serotonin and how I feel about this club. Then just see him with a big smile holding the jersey. I'm like, right, okay, I win. Like, I've yeah. won this season. Even if Lampard you know gets sacked, it doesn't matter. Where, do you know the summer where Chelsea, like, well, like Lampard, and it was like 270 odd million was spent? On a free, was Thiago Silva the best signing of that window? Probably. Well, that's all. Oh, Mendy, maybe. I think Mendy's maybe been a bit more impactful on the team just because Kepa was that shit. But I think in terms <laughs> of. <laughs> But I think you know you notice a major difference when you go from absolute yeah. mm. mince to amazing. Whereas obviously Christensen, Rudiger, I think they were good centre backs. I think Thiago Silva is just. I mean, I, I, without him, I don't think they won the Champions League. I know he went off in the final injured, but even getting there, I just think that experience. I think he is the best signing, Stu. And I think without him, I don't know how that. Dif- I think Rudiger, for one, is growing massively, and I think you can put a lot of that on playing next to Thiago Silva. I think it makes him look. 10 times better. I think Rudiger's amazing. Mm. I think he looks 10 times better even next to Silva. That's how good he is. Even, even still, I think the Rudiger, it, he wasn't even like that under under Lampard when yeah. he was kind of nearing the end of his tenure. It was ve- He was playing a very bit part role. Lampard wasn't really giving him much time and he wasn't happy about it. He wanted to play and I think he was potentially looking to move out. Then Tuchel came in, Rudiger was starting centre-back straight away and even then I had a little bit of trepidation like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be as committed. I don't know whether he'll want to even play for the club at this point and then he's become potentially one of the best centre-backs in the world in the last year yeah. and I think Tuchel and Silva, the pair of them, have kind of attributed to that massively. So, I'm, he's, he's, he's my hero and I love him. There we go. We're getting emotional. Absolutely. Uh, we're... we're probably all a bit get emotional well, I'll find it funny because you're all United fans which is an interesting thing <laughs> because 
it's just a bit of a circus at the moment at Old Trafford for one reason or another. We've not really had the chance to talk about uh, Ralph Ranić on this show because he came in after we stopped uh, putting out episodes for Christmas. Uh, Struan, was it a good idea in the short term more than anything? Because I've no doubt about his uh, his influence and his quality off the pitch in terms of like a desk role or whatever it's going to be in the advisory sense. But would it have been better to just actually get a proper manager in rather than get somebody in on an interim basis and look to bring someone in in the summer? I, I really liked the appointment. I remember I was actually on a bus. And I, th- I think I was heading to Haymarket or something like that. And I saw David Ornstein had tweeted out saying that United have advanced with Ralph Ragnick on a six-month deal to then take a consultancy role two years. And it, it was just so un-United of the last seven or eight years because it just seemed like a really intelligent move. Obviously, I think Manchester United really want to get Pochettino. You know, they, they tried to bring him in halfway through the season, but PSG are not going to let let him leave and you can understand why obviously they, they want to hold all the cards in that scenario and then you sort of look at the other managerial candidates and there, there wasn't anybody currently available screaming out you know if you look at Chelsea a year ago when they sacked Lampard Tuchel was available it was an easy switch when Liverpool did it with Rodgers Klopp was available when Solskjaer was sacked I mean it's funny because Antonio Conte was available a few weeks prior to that and then obviously Tottenham snatched him up there was nobody there ready to take over the job you know there were some rumours about Brendan Rodgers which terrified me a little bit to be perfectly honest but then <laughs> Ralph Ragnick's come in, it gives them six months to assess the situation with the squad and then to see what happens in the summer. And I, I think the thing that excites me the most is that Ragnick's going to be on the board. I think the Manchester United board has been pretty pretty woeful in recent years and I think the signings speak for that. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. Obviously coming in, I don't think Ragnick's the best man-manager you'll see in the last decade. I think he's only had one full-time managerial role and he gave it to himself. You know, he's not exactly been in that position very often. He's never managed a club of, of Man United stature either, so I, I think it's, it's it's a difficult situation for him to come into. But, yeah, I, th- I think he's doing a pretty good job, all things considered as well, especially with all these leaks that have come out in recent weeks about players being unhappy and training too late at night and all, all these players wanting away. It's just, it's just been a bit of a circus with that. So, yeah, I, I think everything considered, I think he's doing a good job. Angus, it's not exactly been the prettiest of football that United have been putting out. I mean, there was a lot of the chatter around the 4-2-2-2 that just seemed to get exploited more than anything else. And then things have kind of changed more to a 4-3-3 now and things seem to be looking a bit better. But it's still these narrow margins. I mean, you think 1-0 over Norwich, 1-0 over Villa in the Cup, 1-0 over West Ham thanks to a 93rd minute winner at the weekend. I mean, it's not exactly what people were expecting from United coming into this season considering after the signings they made, people were potentially thinking it was going to be a title challenge year. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think that's what the most frustrating part of it is. Is you look at this, you look at the squad that we have, and you know on paper it should be, it should be this and that. It should be a lot more convincing. Um, you know, I think at the start of the season as well, we were sold a bit of a dream. You know, a couple of convincing wins. You know, everybody was on uh, high spirits and all that, but. It just it's just what man you have been every time like the last couple of years. Whenever you seem to think they're turning a corner, the squad just kind of doesn't really capitalise on it. The pressure gets too much to them and I think that that's kind of the main issue for us at the moment is essentially that the squad is just they've been given too much too early. You know, I kinda of say that in a way, like looking at Liverpool for example, you know, Mo Salah's like, you know, trying to negotiate for like a new contract and you know, he's demanding this contract, you know, it will make him one of the highest earners in, like, the league, never mind, just like Liverpool. Um, but you you look at the numbers that he's produced, um, and it's like, you know, fair enough, you deserve that. There's just far too many players in that Man U team who, you know, they've been given these massive contracts at the start, and they think that they've made it, and, you know, 
there's no real kind of improvement in these players after they've been handed it. You know, there isn't they don't really kick on whatsoever. And I think that that's going to be the main issue for us. In all honesty, is you know, kind of gutting that squad out because you know you've got all those players on high wages. Who's going to take them? Do you keep them around if they're causing issues? You know, they've already mentioned about you know the discontent regarding like the late training sessions and whatnot. You know, the little cliques and that that are forming in the club. Um, you know, some of them have already like apparently grown discontent with Rangnick's kind of ways and everything. Um, it's it's going to take you know time for Man U to you know completely you know revolutionise this squad still, and I don't really envy Rangnick at all in you know the job that he's undertaken, but it's just got to be better for Man U, as you say, you know they've drawn with Newcastle, you know they squandered the lead against Villa as well, you know one 0 to beat West Ham, it's just simply not good enough, you know you'd have thought that you know the likes of Ronaldo and Varane coming in would have given them a lot of the players a kick up the backside, you know to you know really kick on, but for some reason, it just hasn't happened that way. But who knows? Somehow, we're only what six points at, uh, behind, you know, third place with a game in hand. Who knows what can happen there? You know, if we've been that bad for the most part of the season, but we're still in contention for Champions League, we can turn around and get a wee bit of form going. You know, who knows where we could actually properly cement ourselves as a top four club? Um, but you know, it's all ifs, ifs, buts, and maybe's for Man U. You never know what one of them's going to show up. I think I think that's just what it's been for me. It's just seen like. There's not been one reliable source of attack and output from United this season. I mean, everything kind of almost automatically gets channeled through Ronaldo and he's not exactly what he used to be in any way, shape or form. I mean, you saw the hissy fitty through when he gets subbed against Brentford because he just wasn't being, he wasn't playing well. Uh, and, and I mean, Sancho's done little to nothing since coming in. Uh, the kind of best players on United's team have been the likes of David De Gea. More than more than anything else, he's been really, really solid for United in goal this year, which has been really, really important for them, considering how often he's been he's been tested. And I just think it's if if more individual players start picking up and start performing more consistently at, and at higher levels, I think United can start maybe clawing some clawing ground even more back on Chelsea in third and potentially looking to pull the Blues down out of that little perch, but. I don't know. It's just it's just been an odd time watching Man United just now and kind of seeing what's happening with them. But I suppose from an odd time watching the club to a funny time watching the club, the club with more red cards in twenty twenty two than they've had goals, Arsenal. And I want to make this point because I had thoughts about Arsenal. Arsenal are the most serious, unserious club of all time. Because they, they make so much headway in trying to establish themselves as top four quality and building for the future. And I think there's a really, really good young spine that will last them for a long time uh, in their squad just now. The likes of uh, Ramsdale, likes of Ben White, Kieran Tierney, of course, at left-back, who's future captain, realistically. You've got Saka, Adchuk Udegaard in there. You've got Emil Smith-Rowe. That's a really, really talented group of young players. But... For them, you've also got Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka in your team who are just like kicking people. And I just think it's almost kind of sad to me. I mean, if I was a neutral, then yeah, it's really sad. But because I'm not, it's I really couldn't care less. But there's just this team that build themselves up time and time again to a point where you think, okay, Arsenal might actually start doing something again. Like they might start taking things seriously. They might look to get into the top four, get back to the Champions League, maybe a title challenge or a cup, who knows? And then they just blow the arse out of it completely and they just fall away into nothingness. There's stupid, stupid results that they could have easily avoided. And I know this is kind of coming back off 
uh, the loss to Liverpool in the Cup and it might be a bit harsh but they just drew nil-nil with Burnley who haven't played football in about two and a half years at this point like, that's, any, that's realistically inexcusable and I know Nick Pope had a storm about that you, you need to be winning those games I mean Kyle I don't know mate like, am, I the, am I the only one that's like thinking that Arsenal are just like it's almost embarrassing how much they keep building themselves up to just let themselves down because it's really just down to them and themselves the fact that they keep putting themselves into these positions over and over and over again yeah, I th- I think Arsenal are. I'm completely on the same same track with you there. I think they're that close every single time. They're that close. I feel like the start of the season, obviously, it was they were getting pumped. You know, they had City. Their first few games, it was City. Liverpool did they play second? I think or yeah. still, they were, they, the thing was they, they still opened with Brentford. Yeah, they just yeah. they hadn't been in the top division in about sixty years or something like that. Yeah, and they no. get scudded two 0 I know that. I mean, that's the thing. They're sat, you know, foot of the table, three games in, and you're thinking these lot are horrendous. You go back, probably, you know, Christmas time, heading up to now, and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, how the, how are Arsenal in fourth? Do you know what I mean? Like it just hit you on a match a day one night. You just look at the table and you're like, how are they even there? And they're that close. They're getting better. And as you said, the the young core, um, uh, Gabriel Martinelli as well. By the way, who I'd like to mention. He has been different class these last mm. few weeks. If he can stay clear of injuries, I think he's got a massive future ahead of him. I think not only is he incredibly talented, it's his work rate for me that completely catches yeah. me. I think when you watch him tracking back, you watch him, uh, he's he's the instigator for the press as well. Um, I don't know really what Arsenal sort of press um, press keys are for when they all go, but for me, every time I watch them, it feels like Martinelli is that first guy um, always putting the pressure on. Same with Saka, I think Smith Rowe has been, uh, obviously he's been talented the last few years, but this year's just been his blow up. I think they've got some mm-hmm. amazing players in there. I think um, Granite Saka is the worst centre midfielder in the Prem. I mean, I'm, like, I don't even say that as like a joke. Like, I, I, you go back a few years ago when he got, got bought, and it's, is he amazing at defending? No, not really. Um, is he great at controlling the game? No. Is he good at attacking? No, he's not an attacking midfielder. Uh, is he a complete hothead who has no sort of basis of how to play the game? Absolutely. I, I don't think I've ever seen a midfielder so lost in my life. And then every time he plays for Switzerland, it's like Zidane. It's unbelievable. You watched him against France when they knocked him out of the Euros. He was different gravy that night. And you come back, captain's Arsenal. Mind when he chucked the armband in, or did he chuck his shirt, walked down the tunnel, lost his captaincy. And I saw a great stat on him the other day that since he's joined Arsenal, I think he's been here five, is it six years or something like that, he has issued 19 Instagram apologies. 19 <laughs> apologies <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> that is either due to red cards, chucking the shirt at the ground or spitting on the badge or whatever he'd done, or just being completely incompetent in centre midfield. He's issued 19 apologies. And... Honestly, for a guy, I obviously I'm a United fan. I think Paul Pogba is just, I don't think he's great. I just don't think he's great for the squad. I would honestly rather have Paul Pogba's left foot, just his left foot hopping about the pitch than Granite Shaka. I think he's that much a waste of space. He's, he's, I think he's the complete, him and Aubameyang, obviously the Aubameyang things are really weird over the last few, few mm. weeks and months with the tattoo or whatever it was that sort of kept him out of the squad. If you just got rid of those so-called senior players who are supposed to be leaders, just got rid of them and just let it be youth. You know, you want a mix of youth and a bit of experience. Those experienced players are not people to look up to. I'd get them out just now, 
have Tierney to look up to have an actual leader. Martinelli, I, I think he's a, a great leader for his age from what he's been doing on the pitch. He, he gives absolutely everything. I think Odegaard as well, those types of guys. I think if you get rid of that sort of cancer of the team, who I think is the so-called experienced players, I think you see Arsenal really do start pushing for that top four. I think they're almost there. A few more signings. I think Arteta's the right man. I don't think there should ever be any doubt about his job at the minute. Um, I, but I, I, you're right. They keep coming there and then they just keep dropping back. But I think a few more signings get rid of a few players um, in the summer. I don't think that's going to happen this month. I think you could see them next year really sort of pushing United, Chelsea, Tottenham for that top four spot. I don't think they're in touching distance of City and Liverpool, but you know, no other team is either, to be honest. Mm. So I think um, they're that close, but you're right. It just They're there and then they're not. It is, it is just odd to think that it's almost like an 18 team league at this point because Liverpool and City mm. almost have top two just nailed down every single year and it's going to become a, it's almost becoming a bit of a farmers league to be honest just the amount yeah. like cuz City are just going to keep winning it and you just don't see any sign of slowing down the fact they actually drop points away to Southampton at the weekend I, I was shocked i mean i was yeah, happy was because the, the Laporte... best performance under Pep Guardiola that was the best performance <laughs> He's such a, a weirdo, isn't he? In his interviews, yeah. why is he? Why is he always whispering stuff? He's so strange. He's Repressed rage. Bit. That's what he's doing. He's yeah, like white hot anger. Yeah, just pretending that he's happy, but like inside he's boiling. Watching like, the corner and just physical. screams bloody murder. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. But I think, to be honest, Jack, I think the. Uh, the only way the Prem becomes good old-fashioned 2009-10 Barclays again is when Pep decides to leave. I think when he's in a job at Man City, I don't think anyone can really catch him. I know Liverpool won one title, but if he's in charge and he's got that funding that he obviously has and will, I can't see anyone catching him. If, if he's in the job, if he's here for 10 years, I think they win 10 league titles. I, I do genuinely believe that. Uh, it's, it's it just seems to be he has a crux of it, and I know he's what is it next summer or no? It's this summer coming that he's away, isn't it? No, this next summer I think. It's next summer I think. Twenty what yeah, year is it? Yeah, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. Is that right? Even, yeah, yeah. yeah. So on, another on. year or so. Start but, I'll start counting the days, boys. Honestly, I can't be arsed yeah. anymore. The is this, is this though just back. when Eric Ten Hag comes in though? It's just a, as a as a pep light or something like that. Just I think. <laughs> I think we'll get him soon. I think he'll be our next manager at United. Oh, don't don't tell him that because he'll just start. He'll he'll, he'll be too happy. Stuart's been on the Ten Hag bus for about two years at this point. He's yeah, so his name all aboard. <laughs> yeah, all That's aboard. You're welcome to join in. But it's yeah, I, I don't PSV think yesterday. Yeah, they, they beat PSV. I don't think Pochettino though. I don't think is the man for the job because let's be honest. What Chelsea, United. Tottenham and Liverpool are trying to do is trying to catch Man City. Mm-hmm. I don't think Poch. I think Poch is a great man manager. I really like him as a guy. Tactically, nowhere near Pep Guardiola. I think Eric Ten Hag is probably your closest bet in terms of tactics. You know, it doesn't mean he's going to actually catch him up or be anywhere close to him. But if we were serious and Ralph goes upstairs and is making the decision on the final manager, I think the only way you can catch up Pep Guardiola is by being tactically the same as him or being tactically there or thereabouts. And I think Eric Ten Hag's the only guy that can do that. I think Poch, he's hard-working, gets the best out of his players. But for me, I think it's a bit of a change. I'd like some tactics sort of put into the club now. Some total football. Yeah, exactly. Tuchel was there for a little bit, but... I mean, he, he was there when it mattered and out-tactically out out manoeuvring uh, Guardiola. He, he was there when it mattered most. The last couple of league games, it's not been great. We've not been good at all against City, mm. but... 
still get the Champions League over them, I suppose. So that's all that really matters. Tuchel might be the Man United manager as well come the summer. I mean, never know what Chelsea are up to. Fuck off, Drew. How, how far off do you rate Klopp to Guardiola? How far away do you think they are in terms of? I, I, Klopp is a super villain at this point. See, like I'm convinced, like he is the most. He's, he's such a whiner and just him standing the sideline with a cap over his eyes just looking dead. I hate him. Like, I've he's just fed up with Jurgen Klopp, by the way. I miss it. See, when he was, see, when he was a, see when he was a specky nerd, like, I loved him. Like, he was, hmm. he was brilliant see, fun. See when you said what yeah. manager would you like to go for a pint with? It was always Steve Bruce first for obvious reasons, but then after that it would always be, <laughs> would always be Jurgen Klopp, but I just don't think it would be anymore. Like, I just, nah. He got his teeth done, lost his glasses, he thinks he's it now, do you know what I mean? He, he gives it all of that because he, he can see he's got... He's going to start wearing place. suits soon. It's going to be his Davy Martin deal and getting the Gucci's out. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Pep rocking up with a stony, it's just yeah. like one of these all over again. Man, yeah. It's like Klopp's trying to match him, but uh, I, I don't. in terms of ability, I, I, I even think Klopp and Guardiola, I even think there's a massive distance in terms of managing ability between the two I, of I them. I think Guardiola is the clear best manager in world football by some distance. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. Like, what he's done in his career is yeah. unbelievable. I think you could also make some arguments that you know Klopp did win the Champions League with Liverpool and he got that league title over Pep Guardiola, but over in the, you know, the wide scheme of things, Pep Guardiola has just walked the Premier League since coming mm. into it. Chuck, yeah, da- Chuck Davy Hopkins at City, see what happens. <laughs> see if it's the same thing. Just that's, make that's it a wee bit what's more fun. Be interesting though, isn't it? The, the drop that City have when Guardiola leaves. Obviously, like he's implemented the style and everything like that, but you can't get any better. Whatever happens, they're going to have to downgrade. It's, it's going to be really interesting. But do you know? Do you know what I think's true? And if they got another manager in, um, I, I I couldn't think of who who it would possibly be in sort of two years' time. But say a manager comes in and they've still got that sort of batch of players that they have at the minute, would a manager want to go in and change tactics and style of play, or would he even say to the guys, you know, listen? Use play your football Just and keep it. Uh, well, if they have that core of players, why would they change? Mm. If they have Bernardo Silva, like an Enrique or maybe a Ten Hag could come in. Just similarities. Like I feel Pep Guardiola will probably have a big say or a big recommendation on who they get in next as well. Yeah, I think Enrique is a really good. Aye, shout Enrique, out, I can see Both that. You know, Spain yeah. job that'll be after the World Cup at that point. Yeah, that's a really good shout. Yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, I th- I could definitely see that. Obviously, Guardiola will have a close relationship with him, and I don't even think Enrique would be. I don't think he's that sort of arrogant guy that would walk in and want to make everything how he wants to play. I think he'd probably be quite happy to sit and sort of just overview and just let Guardiola's tactics do the sort of work mm. on those players anyway. So Seems like he would, he would just come, he'd just come in and evaluate the situation and then know exactly yeah. what he would need to do. He'd be like that. Exactly. Well, Guardiola set these boys up to do like everything that basically they need to. I'll make a little couple of changes here and there to put my style on it, but other than mm. that... Nothing Imagine walking into the board meeting and the Man City board just telling you what your transfer budget is for your first summer. <laughs> just, just be like a football manager, like FIFA career mode. Or something. Yeah, who who do you want? Do you know what I mean? Just write it down there. We'll get them. That must the, just be an absolute dream. They'll probably have Holland by that point as well. So mm. yeah, I'd, I'd say God. so. I, I think they'll probably ditch Kane this summer and probably go all out for Holland. Yeah, um, so. and I think Kane will probably get stuck at Tottenham. I'm going to make a big shout there. Act, yeah, say, mate, I'm with yeah, you on that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Because City, if City don't buy him, nobody else will. Do you know for what? 100 it's, million, would you take Harry Kane for 100 million? It's a transfer, though, that, isn't it? If oh, 100%. Money, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sales, Harry Kane's available, man, City wanted him. Oh, Absolutely. Be, we can't get Haaland, City get them. So we, we buy Kane, and you know, he'll be 28. What will Haaland be? 22? 20, 21? He'll yeah, be seven be years young. actually, in the summer. So. 29 this year, is he? 2.0. Jesus, nah, Kane. I think is lost. I I don't think he's lost a chance. I think he really desperately wanted to go in the summer, but I think Tottenham have lost the 
the money they would have got from. I think he'll get stuck there at Tottenham probably for his whole whole career now. He's a bum. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to end on that, you know. I think that's where the podcast ends, is me calling Harry Kane a bum. Yeah. Uh, right, Magic. Uh, well, thank you very much for tuning in to the first Football Roundup of 2022. We've loved having you for almost 80 minutes of this unbelievable content. Uh, make sure to follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sports. Subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get yours so new episodes show up automatically uh, check out all the content we've been putting up on energysport.net the award winning student uh, journalism website and we're coming for even more this year if they'll let us because I think they're all just running scared of the fact that we would clean up and no one wants to no one wants to give us the credit anymore but we deserve it and we'll have awards soon eventually we'll just make them up ourselves uh, massive thank you to Struan, Kyle and Angus for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure having the three of you on board uh, extra time maybe this week, I, I don't, I don't know what Sean's plans are, but ideally we like to get the, the two podcasts up to weekly consistency once again, and hopefully that comes back sooner rather than later. But regardless, this has been the football roundup by Energy Sport. I've been Jack Donnelly. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>